Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It should be a heck of a test. Uh, you know, Seattle is uh, very good. Uh, Russell Wilson makes a lot of plays on the move, so we're going to have to be really good defensively. I hope we uh, we perform better offensively than we did last week. Um, third downs, holding on the ball. Um, we need to improve in a lot of areas, so um, hopefully we'll uh, play a lot better this week. Mackie and Judd from the uh, State Fair for this hour. It will be Zolgad and Matthew Collar. What are you doing, Fenske? Our uh, promotion. Okay, yeah, hold on. I'll, I'll wave. There. Okay, nice picture. Good get, picture. Get the cookies in the picture. Get my good side. Uh, come on. All right, come yeah, on. Okay. Come on. Let's make yeah, the joke. I have already roasted you on Twitter.com about what you're wearing today. See, I, got I don't the sta- think this I got is the station ba- gear. I think I'm looking pretty cool. I can't find sleek, my. I very can't, modern. I can't find my station fleece, and I'm very upset about it because I love and you're that. You're just fleece. wearing this oversized hoodie that says Fenway on it. Yep. I mean, it's a cool. It's the Sitco. It's the cool Sitco hoodie. sign. It's the Sitco sign that, that's behind the green monster in left field, and instead of Sitco, it's the Sitco logo. And it says Fenway. So the problem with this oversized hoodie that you have Incredibly is comfortable. that from a distance, it looks like something that was just like given away. Like if you look close yeah. and you realize it I says Fenway. I bought this in Boston. You know how much this costs? It cost no, me like no, I understand bucks. that, but you have to like be up close to you. So the people walking by are just like, why does that guy have a Sitco hoodie on? Oh, he probably had it given away at a gas station. Well, you think I'm trying to impress the people? I don't you really care. You should be. That's no. why we're out here. No, my entire, my entire platform in life is built around not caring if I impress people. Yeah, maybe we should have just put a cardboard cutout of you smiling And I could here. do the show from you in back? Do the show from in there. This is not, we'll a, bad, this is not a bad idea. Although that, that would assume then that for the cutout, I would have had to dress up nicely for that to look presentable, and that's not going to happen. My biggest concern right now is I cannot find my 1500 ESPN fleece, and I love that fleece. Mm. And I've looked all over, and I have no idea what I did with the darn thing. I think that Fenske gave me this on the first day that I worked here, and I stuffed it in a closet and it's didn't nice. see it for two years, and then... We were just cleaning some stuff out, and I discovered it. It is really nice. Oh, they're they're this, very nice. This is we have how, nice station gear. This is I'm how not... you dress when you're going to the fair, Judd. Do we have to talk about I, If this? I could have found my fleece, I'd be wearing it today, but I can't. All right, you want to talk about the Vikings it. instead yeah, of you, your you, dress wear? Because we yeah, can go on for a long time about that. You want to do, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, talk about Kirk Cousins. Yes. Go ahead. Talk oh, about Kirk okay, Cousins. Okay, so Kirk Cousins yesterday had some interesting things to say about how he goes around to other quarterbacks and talks to them about just different philosophies and what takes their play to the next level. So he was telling a story about in 2015 how he basically walked up to Tom Brady and he said, 
you know, Tom, when do you feel like you really got it? Because remember, Cousins was uh, starting for the first time in 2015. Yep. So he asked Brady, when, when do you feel like it really clicked for you? And Brady basically told him, it never really does. I mean, it's always this sort of cat and mouse game that you're playing, and you're always chasing the next sort of thing and making the next adjustment and, and on and on and on. And then so I asked him, like, okay, is that something that you always do? Do you always just walk up to other quarterbacks and start asking them you know, what they think about different things? And he basically said yes, that when he made the Pro Bowl in 2016, mm-hmm. that Cousins was going up to – all the different quarterbacks there. You know, even Dak Prescott was a young player at the time, but he was going up to him and asking him different things about schemes and his approach and all that stuff. And I think w- what I've come away with from camp is there have been lot there were lots of articles about how diligent Cousins is and how much he knows about football and all those things and it really shows on a day-to-day basis with Cousins. And that's one of the things that they paid for is they know that they have a guy who is going to do stuff like that, who is going to be about as dedicated to the craft as anyone in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So that leads me to this question. How has how your perception and or feeling about Cousins changed from opening press conference? Because he has sort of the corporate smile going. It's very easy to make an assessment of, of him after initially seeing him. How has your perception or feeling about him changed from that day t- to now where you've been around him in, in different press conferences and – a much more football environment as opposed to I just signed a contract and I'm trying to say the right things. The one thing that I wasn't sure when Cousins came here is just about how he would handle different media questions and and how he would handle the pressure of getting $84 million and the pressure of Super Bowl expectations because Cousins has never had that before in his career. And when it comes to answering that question, he sort of has his stock answer, but he doesn't ever seem thrown off by it. He doesn't ever seem annoyed by it. He seems like another box that he kind of has to check off for the day. Like, this is one of the things I have to do every day is answer Super Bowl expectations, and he moves on. But one of the things that I think has been on display since Kirk Cousins was signed by the Vikings, at least for us on a daily basis, is just how much this guy geeks out over football. Like, he really loves Football you, which, strategy. Which yes, we get along. Matthew Collar appreciates for that reason. Yes. Greatly. So I asked him yesterday about bunch formations, which I mean is just like so far down the the football rabbit hole. But he seemed relieved to not again be asked about his offensive line, or not again be asked about expectations or money or anything like that. Right. And so maybe that's one of the reasons he's given such good explanations when it comes to this stuff. But every time he's gotten a real in-depth football question, you just see how much he loves talking about it where some quarterbacks might be like well I don't really want to tell you all that sort of stuff or I just kind of want to get this over with he's perfectly fine standing up in front of the media and the cameras and everything else and explaining football the same way he would on a whiteboard and and that enthusiasm from him that I've seen on a daily basis I mean that that's one of the things you could see that would be really likable about Cousins now, as far as some of the other stuff, I mean, in preseason we saw when the pocket collapses, he gets a little antsy. I think we've seen almost every press conference there's some sort of layered jab at Washington. and that Oh, still? That, oh, yeah. Is that now, still coming? Now I, now, I actually walked over to Chip yesterday, and I said, <laughs> I don't think we had one today. Uh, so maybe yesterday was, was the exception to that. So, there, you know, there have been those little layered jabs and things like that right. uh, at Washington. And, you know, I was thinking about this just last night about him as a person and how he's going to adapt to being here. And he's kind of said it 
Like, look, guys, uh, it's going to be my time here is going to be determined by whether we win. Like, if I have a good time in Minnesota, it's because we win, not because this fair is awesome and these cookies are great. Like, I, I can live anywhere. I can make a lot of money anywhere. But whether you guys all look at me as a success is going right. to entirely have to do with winning. Um, so, you know, I, I entirely get that about Cousins. But it does seem like going from there to here, he feels like it's a completely different environment. And he seems, at least for this moment, much happier to be away from what was going on in D.C. Which is a complete cluster bleep, right? It is. Yeah. I, I mean, that franchise, which at one time was a great franchise, is a, is, it's a mess. Yeah. And so I get that. All right, so I have to ask. When Matthew Keller asks Kirk Cousins about bunch formations, mm. what's the answer? And I would play the football sounder if I had it. Football! football. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, football. Thank you. Football. Good job, Jim Murphy. I think I can get you the answer here. Well, you, you can just, just you second. can just recap it for me okay. too. I don't yeah, need the exact I, answer. I, the answer I just love I just love the fact that you're now working in at every press conference some like deep football yes, detail, yes. which I do contend players and coaches like. Yeah, I think they get like tired it, about being it's asked good, the same thing. Yeah, and, and that's where which is what I used so to do. So I'll, I'll kind of go about Brett Favre. Right, that I mean, my I, job. That, you know, and, and another thing is like when these players get asked about like, "Hey, so uh, your teammate's injured? Is that bad?" <laughs> no, it's great. It's great that my starting center's hurt. Like, what's he supposed to say? Right. He's he, he's just gonna say, "Well, you know, we got to do the best we can with who's out there." And I understand people need to ask those questions, but by the fifth week of training camp and the third preseason game, we are all out of. How do you feel about being in Minnesota? So it's just like he he got excited about talking real football X's and O's one day, and then when the press conference was over, and I have never seen this before, what Cousins did. Cousins thanked people for asking football questions. He was like, well, thanks, guys, for all the good football questions today. I'm not used to that. And it was like, football, yeah, that's yeah, right. Look at you. Look at you. Right. Yeah. Make it feel right at home in Minnesota. And I, I, won't, take, uh, I, won't, I won't take credit for all of those. Um, uh, Jalen Ramsey actually gets credit for that. Okay. For talking about um, him being good in play action. And then, you know, uh, other reporters started to chime in, too, and go super football. And I was proud of everybody that day. But um, with, with Cousins, that's one thing that, that really stands out. So what he said about bunch formations – what I'm working on, and I think it's just kind of my theory, is that more teams are going to use them. That that this RPO rage is not really going to be the big trend this year. That everyone kind of knows about RPOs. It was just that the Eagles executed them well. Yep. So maybe you'll see a handful here more per game mixed in with some different teams that it works for. But the Rams, almost on half of their plays, had no receivers outside the numbers, which was really rare. I mean, there are teams that never do that, have a formation without a wide receiver outside the numbers. And my guess is that everyone watched all the tape on the Rams, and and they said this is one of the things that they do. They figure out how to create space by bunching everybody in, and then you don't know which way they're going to go. It makes man coverage more difficult. So I've been walking around asking everybody about it, and that's that's what Cousins was talking about. He said it's definitely going to be a part of the Vikings offense, and it makes man coverage more difficult. And again, I mean, so this the, is a super football. The bunch but, is whom? Uh, it means just like having. No, but but I'm saying so. So if they use a bunch, is it Diggs, Thielen, and a, 
the third guy is or what's well, what's the formation gonna, probably? Yeah, probably going to be Treadwell. Um, okay. But, you know, you can – I mean, there's so many different options, though, because you can have, you know, a bunch of formations with two tight ends, two wide receivers, just sure. everybody's inside the numbers. You can have Delvin Cook be one of those three if you have that, you know, the triangle that they form on one side if it's a three-by-one. So – I mean, there are tons of different options that they can use, and I, I think that that's going to be an NFL trend. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting to hear Cousins talk about how there are many benefits to doing it. And, I, you know, I think what the one thing that John Filippo and every offensive coordinator sort of faces here is there are so many different things that you have in your potential toolbox, right? Right. And there's this maybe fear that everyone should sort of have of trying to put in too much like oh this works here so i'm going to take from that this works here from and take yes, that yes i agree and, completely and finding this is where pat Shermer was so excellent last year for the vikings was he found who he truly was as an offensive coordinator i think mm-hmm. and what truly worked for him and his identity and then he stuck with what worked but then would add other things uh, in week 17 Shermer randomly sends six offensive linemen out there for the whole first drive. It was like, who saw that coming? Right. And, and to, but he had his things that he kept going back to over and over that he knew would work, even if the other team could pick up on them. So it's going to be a challenge for him. But it has been really interesting to watch Cousins and listen to him and, and get the full idea of how much this guy immerses himself in the game. So much football. Whew. Let's take a break. Uh, come back. Yes, football. From the State Fair after this. Uh, right now, it's Zolgad and Collar. Are you ready? You like that? You like that? We love the people at TCL and being in the broadcast studios there. We're actually out at the uh, Minnesota State Fair, uh, the actually first show. Mackie and Judd out here today. We'll be out here uh, for the duration of the fair. I'm joined by Matthew Collar for this hour. Phil's going to join the show at 11 o'clock. Uh, Collar and I also, we should mention, will be on the uh, main stage here at the fair on Saturday from 10 to noon. That will involve a Vikings roundtable discussion that will uh, include our buddy Chip Scoggins at 10 o'clock on Saturday. If you want to come see us today, we are right near the grandstand. So uh, drop on by. Go to the cookies. Yeah, yeah. Go to. That's all you need to Go say. to Sweet Martha's, and while you're savoring uh, several of those cookies, just look around, and you will see our ugly mugs. Open and my nice your ears, and you will hear the sounds of sports. And I talk. feel, and I feel like I'm dressed very well today. So you can take that, Matthew Collar. Can no. I? Can I ask you a quick question? Yeah. Non Vikings, non sports, for sure. a second. Do you like rides? Because I'm looking at rides right now. Oh. I don't, un, for the life of me, and this is not just a Judd old man thing, I've never enjoyed rides. Really? Okay, so as a kid, I definitely did. As, as a kid, I would have been the person who was getting off the ride and then running back to the line to get in. Okay. But I reached a certain height where it became uncomfortable. Like, once I got to about... Five foot eleven. I started to feel like it wasn't really as comfortable to be going on rides, and then now I'm around six one. It just like you know feels like I'm being jostled all over. The so place. you never so got just... so you never got scared of them. You actually oh, no. became uncomfortable. No, no, I'm yeah. scared of them. No, I'm not scared of them. Um, I would do. There was one in Western New York where literally a couple of people died. But I was like, well, it's kind of their wait, fault because they didn't really lock themselves wait, in, wait, so wait, I'm good. Wait, 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 let's back up a second. What happened? 
Well, so a guy didn't lock himself into the ride properly. And is this like a roller coaster that goes upside yeah. down? Oh, yeah. So this is oh. a roller coaster. It was called the Superman. It would go insanely high. But then when you went over the hump, it wouldn't just go down at a regular angle. It would go down at, like, an angle less than I need a math person to help. But, like, yeah. you'd go back kind of underneath. Sure. So you're all just hanging out of it. Oh. And if you don't have the thing, then the guy, I, I mean. Aren't they supposed to secure you? Well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, know. you're not I supposed really, to. Yeah. I thought you pulled it down, but then I don't, I don't they've got an attendant to, che- to check on those. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. But I'm sure they got sued. So I uh, was not afraid of that, though, and okay. I would ride all the rides. It's just it's now I look at it as like, okay, this is more for children and have a great time, like I did when I was a kid, but I can't. I'm not really a ride guy here. There's a ride right now. It's not, it's not going, but it was uh, when we were discussing Kirk Cousins, and you go up that like a tower and then you're in like a harness yeah. like a swing yeah, and harness and you just fall down no it it actually Is spins it spins around it spins around oh, that tower it spins. and so you're holding on to a harness like i what's the attraction yeah, I don't why know. why would anybody in their right mind enjoy that like you could <laughs> you could potentially die no and it wouldn't be and the trade off wouldn't be worth it of oh but it was fun now here now so here I look at these as being like, okay, that I mean, if you want to do these and you're grown here up, it goes. I'm not judging you. Okay, Describe like, this. It, oh, it's I a bunch it. of kids. It's just like in the swings. They're in little swings. And they're being and spun around. Spins them around. Okay. Yeah, why do you want to do this? Oh, no, that's pretty fun because you're way up. Uh, you know, you got a good view of the whole fair and you're spinning around. It's pretty fun. Uh, the ones that I wouldn't <laughs> trust, though, is like the local small carnivals oh yeah you're my, crazy my little yeah. town that had more cows than people where i grew up had like a local carnival yep and you'd go to sort of the ride they'd have like the the ship ride that swung back and forth and and you know the guys just smoking a cigarette or whatever you like okay. oh and they leave town too so those things yeah if you die they leave town <laughs> you're not getting a dime from them you're yeah. not getting anything yeah. from them. Yeah, so those I wouldn't trust, but I think here is fine if you want to go on the rides. The other one I don't get is the bungee one where, where you're in, like, a chair, mm-hmm. and then they spring you and you go as Oh, yeah, way. yeah, yeah. That's, That's another much. one. That's a I couldn't much. do that one. Being spun around in circles is not my favorite thing. I was more into, like, roller coasters. I mean, that might make me a little nauseous. I do get nauseous if you spin me around like yeah, that. Yeah, that's going around pretty so, fast, too. Do you want to talk about football at some yeah, point? Yeah, uh, yeah. how concerned uh, should the Vikings be about Elfline? You, you wrote something today uh, for 1500ESPN.com about that. But Zimmer alluded to the fact on after Saturday's game that Remmers and Elfline might be playing soon. And now I saw his quote yesterday is, Hill and Remmers might see action yeah. Friday against the Seahawks. But Elfline still is not playing. He's still on the uh, physically unable to perform list. Yeah, I think that we are approaching a time where we could talk about this a little less with the Vikings offensive line. But at the same time, without their center back, who last year was tremendous for them. I mean, he was an all rookie team, Pat Elfline. He not only did really well in the middle as far as blocking, but became one of the leaders of the offense. And that was really important to them. And their offense was based around a lot of running and short passes and screens, and he was great at blocking for those. And now we're getting to the point where even if he comes back for week one, he won't have any preseason work done in a brand-new offense with a brand-new quarterback. And then they go up against DeForest Buckner, who's one of the best nose tackles in the NFL, in week one. Mm -hmm. So of all the players that you needed to get back, I think you could have survived maybe the right guard. And, of course, the left guard's already out. Uh, the right tackle, there, 
It's like Rashad Hill and Brian O'Neill and Aviant Collins are all kind of in the same range. You probably could have survived those. I don't think that you survive having Pat Elfline out for much longer or having him not at 100% because then it's Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels the next week. Then in week four, it's Indomitian Sue and Aaron Donald, assuming right. Aaron Donald gets his contract worked out. Like There is still reason to be concerned here. Now, if Elfline was back and their offensive line was set for the Vikings, I think you would say, okay, they're not going to be the best offensive line, but at least they're mostly healthy, and then you know we'll see where we go from there with all these great weapons. But with Elfline still injured, I think that there's reason to be worried as we get very close now to week one. And if Elfline doesn't play on Friday, he's not playing in game four, correct? Oh, he's, of not. The preseason? Well, he's not playing Friday. He didn't practice. Right, so, so. No, so he's not. So basically... We can confidently, unfortunately, talk right now about the fact that he will not have had a preseason game. I think he could play in week four. Just oh, you think they would put him in? I okay. mean, if he can get back to practice, Because yeah. Cousins won't, right? Cousins won't. I mean, won't. that would yeah. be shocking if Cousins right. played in the fourth preseason game. Cousins will play in this third preseason game tomorrow night probably for an entire half. And he'll still be working with a backup center, but at least he'll get more of a look of what his actual offensive line is going to look like. Right. With Mike Remmers coming back and Rashad Hill coming back. And then they could start to form a little bit of continuity. But the relationship between the quarterback and center, to me, is one of the most important in football. That, that chemistry Definitely. that you've got to have there. Yep. And these two guys, Pat Elfline and Kirk Cousins, have not had any work together whatsoever. And I think that's worth being concerned about. James Murphy, what's coming up in uh, Stuff We Should Know About? Well, boys, there's a new reason to hyperventilate about the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee. All right, that's next. We're at the State Fair. You like that? You like that? What Twin City sports fans are chanting for right now. Mackie and Judd continue with stuff you should know about. All right, James Murphy, we are at the State Fair, and you are back in studio, but you're the one in control of stuff, so what do you got for us? I'm in, I'm in control of everything, except for the uh, Sweet Martha's Cookies, of course. You are. You are indeed. Congratulations. <laughs> there are so many cookies still left in this bucket. I'm sure. I'm, I'm not sure. getting near them. I can't it, do it. It reminds me of an episode of The Simpsons where Homer... Everything goes, reminds go, you of The Simpsons. Yeah, it does. Where he goes, to, he goes to a steakhouse, and they tell him that there's like some gigantic steak... And uh, the, if you eat it, whatever, you win something, or no one's ever eaten it before. And so Homer starts to eat it, and then he just this is meat falling out of his mouth. Of course. And he's like, why does it not taste good anymore? And that's how I feel about the cookies, but they still taste good. But at some point, they'll just be falling all over my body. You better be careful. going to gain all that weight back. Judd, you said you're opposed to, uh, to 10 State Fair cookies last. before 11 a.m., but are you opposed to uh, 10 State Fair beers before 11 a.m.? You're opposed to cookies before 10 a.m.? No, well, no, he just I doesn't want to eat 10 of them. No, I said, no, no, no. I said I can't start at all because I won't be able to stop. Oh, so yeah. I'm not, yeah. I'm not opposed. I love them. Yeah. But sweets are the one thing that if I don't start, I'm fine. Once I eat one or two, it's all over. Then, then I'll spend the rest of the show eating at least a couple, if not yeah. more, per hour. So, so this is not an opposition. I embrace the cookies. I just know that if I eat them, and I start in down that path today, by the end of the fair. I will be 240. I pick my spots when it comes to sweets, and I wait for this sweets all, is key. all yep, year. I do that. Yep. I don't, uh, I don't, like on a daily basis, I won't eat any sort of like cake. If those were fries, if those were fries, I couldn't help myself. Yeah. Yeah. I try, but I try to like 
pick the spot. So I know that when the fair comes around, I'm going to eat a whole bucket of these. Okay. I'm prepared for that. Fair enough. And I've already pretty much killed half this bucket already. Right, what do you got, James? Uh, RPI being used to determine who's in and who's out of the NCAA tournament is now dead. The uh, NCAA evaluation tool, or NET, is the new standard metric for the selection committee, and NET will make use of game results, strength of schedule, game location, scoring margin, net offense and defense efficiency, and the quality of wins and losses. And that's the new metric uh, that the selection committee will be using. James, this isn't about how you've done your job or anything, but I, I just, I'm mad at you just for even including this. That, that, is, <laughs> that is so ridiculous that I hate you. Wow. Yeah, Do sorry, you, man. Is, I think hate's really strong. Yeah, Matthew. no, it is, but it's true. Like, whatever you, what you just said made me so upset that <laughs> I don't want to talk to you anymore. What went I mean, in? It was, just, like, this the, the whole thing, like, the whole the selection and all that, mm-hmm. and then you got the guy who's drawing all the teams up there on the board. I just, just tell me the bracket. Like, I don't even want to know how it's done. I don't want to debate how it's done. I don't want to have bracketology or anything like that. I just want to know who's playing and leave me alone. What went into RPI? What was it exactly? I have no idea. Like, does anybody? What know? factors were it? I have no clue. I don't know. Uh, you know what? You're right. Let's talk about something. Give else. me the brackets. Give me the brackets on in March, and move on. Football, James. Give and football. with that, with that, we'll move on. Yeah, we can we can go to football next. Let's uh, let's go. Shocking here. the collar once. Well, as a head coach, you're ultimately responsible for everybody's behavior, and that's a very difficult thing to do. We all know that. Um, However, there were red flags, and uh, I wish I had known. I wish I did a better job of finding things out, or I wish I was told more things. Uh, But ultimately, that's part of the job, that uh, you're ultimately responsible for representing this incredible university. I'm sorry, Kyle. I mean, this is the news of the day. What do you want me to do? What about, about, like, something from the NFL? Like, let's talk about someone's technique What's the point? What's the point, James? Why I, I Meyer's did. a scumbag. We know that he wasn't going to get fired. We're not surprised. The Buckeyes want the Buckeyes value one thing, and it's not human beings. It's beating Michigan. I wanted to bring up just because Collar didn't get a chance to to talk about this. I know you and you and Chip did, but that a report came out where where Urban Meyer was uh, talked about uh, talked to the Ohio State Director of Football Operations. Brian Voltolini about deleting text messages and how when they got access to his phone, there was nothing up to a year past the date that they got his phone. So he was already deleting text messages and and he just, he, uh, in in the press conference, he announced that he, he never got any word from his wife about, about the situation. All right. Here's the key. I mean, I mean, I've got this. What other, okay, go ahead. I've got this. Urban Meyer's a scumbag, okay? This is so simple. If you're going to be a scumbag human being and and you you put yourself up on the pedestal of, oh, I'm Urban Meyer and I care about kids, but secretly you're a dirtbag, get another phone, get another cell phone, go pay for it yourself, and say if there's ever any problems, text me on this phone. And then when the authorities come what, around... What is this, Breaking Bad? This is supposed to be... 
college football. Yeah, but, but college football is corrupt beyond belief. Let's just let's acknowledge that and move on. And Urban Meyer, go get a second phone for yourself. So when you do these, when when you decide to be a scumbag, someone can text you on that phone. And then and then when the authorities are closing in on you, you can take a bulldozer or a car or whatever you want and bulldoze that phone and turn over the phone that belongs to the state and say. You can look at my phone. Judd, you're not supposed to be helping college football become more corrupt. College football. That's not, that's not the I goal just here. Want, I just want, and people laugh and say, that's never going to happen, and I get that. I just want these people to acknowledge we're basically, we're basically unethical people, but it's a great business, and people are going to watch. How many college football fans now, as, as despicable as Urban Meyer might be, how many college football fans do you think are going to say, well, now I draw the line. I'm not watching college football. It is odd, though. I'm going to watch it. Everyone to watch it. It is odd, though, that Urban Meyer is going to walk away with a three-game suspension. And from what I saw, he can still coach in practice. He just can't yeah, he's gonna, the game. The, suspension will end, the practice suspension will end before the games. So, so he's going to walk away with a slap on the wrists for covering this up. Correct. And Jim Tressel lost his job because some of his players got tattoos. That's always been a little strange, is yeah, it not? Yeah, I agree. Yes. Well, anyway. Let's move on. You, you've got to have something better for me, James. Sure. I mean, I can try. I, I got what I got. I, I can't really help that. But uh, a you couple can't of... deviate from the list? Well, no, I can. I can on a little bit. fly, James. <laughs> A couple of notes on the Chicago Cubs the last uh, the past couple days. Of course, we know that they shut down you Darvish likely for the season, but they did add a big bat in second baseman Daniel Murphy by pitching in the stretch. The three two is driven to right. That ball is gone. Daniel Murphy has broken the tie here in the sixth. It is three two Mets, and that means that the Cubs can only start a maximum of six of these nine players at one time uh, between Javi Baez, Daniel Murphy, Ben Zobris, Chris Bryant, Addison Russell, Albert Almora Jr., Ian Happ, Jason Hayward, and Kyle Schwarber. Man, that must be rough for them to make that decision. Daniel Murphy was um, was traded for it by the Cubs for one reason. So nobody could get him to play against the Cubs because he hits like crazy in Wrigley. He destroyed them, I believe, as a Met and then a National. I think he had a playoff series against the Cubs in which he was fantastic. They picked him up basically so he couldn't play against them. So here's my question. Do do people care about the Cubs? Like, I mean, for one summer, it was really magical to watch the Cubs become who they were and win the World Series. It's one of the best World Series that's ever happened uh, against the Indians. But did our time enjoying this Cubs surge of being a relevant franchise was it just like that little blip on the on the map because i mean at least at least with boston when they won in 2004 it was kind of over like oh okay all right but then they they were still good and they win another world series and they became kind of hateable but with the cubs I, i feel like they could win another world series but the whole love affair with them has pretty quickly petered out after they won the World Series. See, I'm, I'm not the best guy to ask because I'm a WGN kid who grew up watching the Cubs in the 80s, so I still s- sort of like them. I think as far, though, as the national the national attention, I think you're probably right because the payoff was they finally won one. Yeah. So I think your question, I think the answer is yes. I think the love affair with the Cubs is now done, uh, but I grew up, watching Sandberg and guys like that. So I still like them. 
I think nationally, though, once they won, it ended that portion of the you story. You know, I guess I'd even, I even take it, I'd take it back about the Red Sox because their second World Series was boring and no one cared. And no, I, think, I mean, the I Mystique, think it's just once, one. Is there any of these left? I mean, is there anything left with baseball where it, a team could sort of rise to the top? Cleveland's the next one, right? Cleveland, I guess. 1948, yeah, is that right? There hasn't really been a whole lot of conversation about Cleveland, though. Right? They're a good team, and they can win. I don't win. know Cleveland is adoptable. Like, the Cubs were adoptable. Yeah. Like, that became a great story. The Red Sox were adoptable. I, I want to say Cleveland's last World Series title was 48. And so that's a long time ago, but it ain't 1908 or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, the one team I think they could, if they if they continue to roll here and make the playoffs, be a really fun story, Oakland. Yeah. Just because yeah, yeah. they're this team right. that bounces up and right. down, and they, they literally play in a cesspool. Right. And the, there's a lot of things about them that you could easily adopt. There is the underdog element of the A's, and I feel like we have been sort of fooled on the Oakland A's before of, hey, they've finally built up this team, and they're yep. going to go for it, and they're trading for Jeff Samarja, right? And then and you know, John somebody, Lester that year. Yeah, right. And then somebody just beats them, and yep. it's over, and it's not interesting. You're, you're right. The A's are probably the team that has the most chance to sort of grip everybody. I, as I go along here – especially with how football is and we all know everything about football all the time and that's sort of where my focus is most of the time in sports i end up just being interested in what the best story is for other things yeah and baseball has had the toughest time ever getting me to just kind of roam over there and care about something Mm -hmm. and the cubs story a few years ago really did that yes and this year this year the a's is great and if you're a super baseball person you would tell me oh there's this story and that story and that story but as far as kind of what is in my face that's still in the periphery with the a's until they're actually like in the alcs or something absolutely so there isn't a great story here and i and i wonder about with chicago if we could sort of do it again, if you would have them lose game seven, so this would be more interesting for longer. Baseball probably would. Yeah. Baseball would, lo- would love that, I bet. Because where they are right now, yeah. when they got Daniel Murphy, like when James said Daniel Murphy, I thought James football. Like, just like, who cares? <laughs> Daniel, who's Daniel Murphy, well, right? I, I gave him the lowdown there. But, and great analysis. I gave him the lowdown because I But know what why. I'm saying is that if this were, if the Cubs had not won the World Series, yeah. And they got Daniel Murphy. This would be like, oh, we're talking about this all the time. And like now they've got another great bat, and here they go, and they're going for it. But now it's sort of like, oh, okay, yeah, Cubs good. All right, that's fine. That's probably true. Yeah. James. All right, let's uh, let's wrap up on a positive. Uh, Dan Cooper, the surgeon who repaired Teddy Bridgewater's knee, spoke to ESPN, and he did not pull any punches regarding the surgery. He described Bridgewater's injury as horribly grotesque, and it's almost like a war wound. Everything is blown. It's certainly the worst knee dislocation in sports I've ever seen without having a nerve or vessel injury. It's an injury about uh, 20 to 25% of NFL players are able to come back from. You've torn everything in your knee and it's hanging on by one ligament on one side like a hinge. You said you said a positive. Yeah, I know. I did that. Yeah. Did you like how I did that? I'm glad I ate the cookies before you described that. Um, (laughs) Well, but what James just described is why Teddy Bridgewater is not the quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings. Yes. It's not because he wasn't a great player. He was a very good player and he was only getting better. And Mike Zimmer wanted Teddy Bridgewater to be his quarterback. But when the surgeon is telling the team, yeah, there's only about a 25% chance this guy ever really comes back, 
then you can't put a Super Bowl roster with a quarterback that doesn't have a high percentage. Right. I will say at the same time that it doesn't surprise me that the guy who would beat the odds here would be Teddy Bridgewater. And he's still got a ways to go. I mean, he looks great with the Jets, but playing 16 games on that knee is going to be a different story. So what didn't he tear, James? I'm not sure. Does it say? No, now, it, it now doesn't. It, but It's interesting, though. This is, I believe, uh, gents, I believe this is the first time that we have had a doctor publicly say that he didn't do nerve damage because I think there was initial speculation that he had done that. And that would have ended his career. Yes. But but when when Sugarman talked about the fact that when they got him in the ambulance, there was fear of, of amputation being necessary. Yep. There was a lot of talk about, I think, nerve damage. And the and, vessel damage, too. That yes, was the other one. exactly right. So that that's a pretty... I don't want to say good because it's not good. It's a pretty interesting detailed play-by-play of exactly what happened to his knee. And you know, with Bridgewater, I don't think it would be a bad thing if he went to another team to be the backup of, let's say, the Giants or Tom Brady's backup or something else and just continued to practice. I mean, he's still a young guy, still like the same age as Carson Wentz. Mm -hmm. We think of Wentz as being super young, but Teddy Bridgewater is the same age as him. So he's still a young quarterback. And to have even another year to heal, he's shown that he can be very good again. It wouldn't be the worst thing for him because right Giants now... Giants would be good, too. It would, yeah, because then, then you know Eli's who your quarterback retire. is. Right? Yeah, you're right. I mean, Davis Webb, I've been wa- watching him in preseason, like, that's not the guy. No. Nope. And uh, there's nope. another guy they drafted, I, I mean, Kyle uh, Latella, uh, you know, whatever. He's just a guy. But, you know, if they decided to have him sit for another year and then Eli retires and Teddy Bridgewater takes over... I think that that would be the perfect situation for Bridgewater to be even more healthy, but also being pra- practicing and maybe he gets in some games if Eli gets dinged up and things like that. That that would be like the ideal type of situation. And then that would almost allow the Giants, too, to get away with it. Like they, I thought that they botched their first-round pick going with a running back when they don't have a quarterback answer, yeah, but then right. they were able to, they'd be able to find one. Thank you, James. Good stuff. Thank you. Some uh, of it. Some of it was good. It was fine. Was well, there the, enough the, football for you, Collar? The first one confused me. The basketball one confused me. Okay, so, it's, again, this is not personal, James. My problem my problem is that when it comes to the NCAA stuff, I just get I just get flustered and angry. Like when you're talking about I get it. I get it. Urban, Plus, it's, it's August, too. Well, but when you're talking about Urban Meyer and him standing up there and saying, oh, sorry, Buckeye Nation, like, are, I, well, I mean, are you kidding my me? My favorite line is, I wish I, I had known, but Urban, you did know. Yeah, but you, you, knew, right, you did know. You knew everything. You chose to ignore it and hope it went away. All right, we'll take a break back after this uh, from the State Fair. The great Minnesota get-together is finally here. While you're making your State Fair plans, be sure to add 1,500 ESPN to your list. Swing by our booth at the corner of Dan Patch and Chambers to watch your favorite shows broadcast live from the front porch, and also check out the new merchandise in the Pro Shop. More details can be found at 1500ESPN.com. Mackie and Judd, Phil to join at uh, 11 o'clock here, wrapping things up with uh, Matthew Collar from the State Fair. All right, I got some tweets for you. Oh, I love tweets. All right, uh, Nick Nick wants to know, Collar, did you play football? Okay. I think um, you're getting the old, let's see. did you play the game? 
Well, I mean, I went to a captain's practice at Benilde in '88, so, so that's how uh, I qualified. What what what, that lev- was my career. what level counts as did I play football? I, did Did you just play the sport? Well, I, I mean, don't know. I played safety in seventh grade. Oh, oh you're you're and then Sandejo like. Then I played uh, Harrison Smith like. Then I played offensive guard in eighth grade. Okay. And uh, our seventh grade team was pretty good. The eighth grade team struggled. So yes. I guess that counts, right? Uh, no, I, I played um, baseball in high school. Okay. And that was more of my sport. Um, but I don't I don't know why that would be a question. Oh, because uh, I think lots of times fans like to, to use that when you're analyzing football to say, did you play the game? Oh, okay. It's sort of a, a – and I have no idea if that was Nick's intention here, but it can be sort of a backhanded you didn't play the game, mm, which yeah. you actually once in a while get from players still. Because they feel, but not too much. Yeah, not but too much. But you used to get it more. Now, the, uh, the funniest version of that that I heard was uh, Alex Boone once said that all the reporters wished that we played on the team. What? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Alex Boone was a different kind of cat. But uh, it, was, it was sort of funny. <laughs> like, Alex, yeah, your paycheck would be nice, but all that stuff that you do on Sunday in the trenches does not look like my bag. Or practicing I, at all? I, I am much more interested in the ins and outs and the strategy of the game than I am uh, being you. <laughs> yeah, and getting you know getting my fingers and so arms why and why would he face think smashed in? I don't even get well, that. Why yeah, would you on know. earth think that the media would want to play on the Vikings? Yeah, no, I, th- I like think we don't I, do I think this. A lot of players think that. Um, but we don't do this because we think to ourselves, man, I, I, you know, I, I. Would have liked to play nose tackle, but I can't do that. So I think I'll become a a reporter on yeah. the team. A That's not of, or of the team. That's not how it works. A lot of people also don't realize Weird. how how many in the the front office and things like that like were not good players. If they think that the front offices of NFL teams are stacked with John Randalls, they're not. Rob Brzezinski was a yeah. great cornerback, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, he's great well, with the cap now, but yeah, he was a great future Hall of Fame. Yeah. And so, I mean, I yeah, I don't know what the point of asking that is, but uh, I I was not a highly uh, experienced football player. Mm-hmm. No, but um, as far as looking at the team, analyzing the game, it's a lot of fun, though. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's that that's we like to call it breaking down the film. That's where I really enjoy. I was uh, watching the tape last night, Judd. Of. Uh, well, I was watching the first preseason game back. And what I was trying to figure out is where Aviant you, Collins stands on the You are such a line, piece so. of work. Okay, and? and Well, I think he struggled. I mean, Because you were surprised he, he started at right yes. tackle on Saturday yes. in preseason game two. Well, this is, it. this is interesting because yesterday I got you know, some tweets. Pro Football Focus put something out about how Brian O'Neill has not allowed a quarterback hit or pressure yet. Yep. And my point was right because they've been playing him against second teams because they don't think he's really ready to go against first teams yet. So you're going to have to give this guy time to put on more weight, work on his technique, all those things that he's not going to be the starter this year. It's going to be Rashad Hill, and if he gets hurt, it might not even still be the rookie who goes in. It might be Collins who's been around for a little while. And just my point is sometimes we take these statistics as if like, you, you take the wrong conclusion away from it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, he hasn't allowed a pressure. And then I saw another stat that neither has Greg Robinson, who's one of the worst offensive linemen over the last five years. I saw years. your tweet on that it's one. It's like, come on. I mean, this is the preseason with the second team. So there's not a whole lot you could take away from these things. I would say that maybe you focus a little more on the third preseason game tomorrow 
But I look at where guys are playing, how many snaps they're playing. Yeah. That's where you could get hints, not so much of even how they play. Because someone like Brian O'Neill has been practicing every day, and he's had his good days, and he's had his bad days. He's better in one-on-ones, but he's not perfect in one-on-ones yet. Right. I don't think he's really ready to start unless Rashad Hill just struggles a lot, and then you don't really feel super confident with that. It's just sort of the point of every year we get ourselves worked into a tizzy about a lot of the things that go on in the preseason, yes, we including do. how poor the offense was in the last game. That's what I like to do, Matthew. And we really shouldn't just take preseason games for what they are. And, and this is the, the thing that a lot of fans will turn off the preseason game after the first half when the starters go out. Yep. But the second half is the football that actually matters to who's making the On team. Saturday it was unwatchable though. Oh, it was. Oh, yeah, it was just terrible. It was. I hope it's better. I hope it's better for the people who showed up yep. that game on Saturday. Give them a refund. I mean, that was one of the most abysmal football games I remember in my life. And I covered Bill's Browns. James play it. Play the football sounder before he leaves. Thanks, Tyler. Let's take a break. Come back from the State Fair. Mackie will join the show for the final two hours.